Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Well, welcome back. Week 10 is in the book, so we're going to jump right in and talk about the scoreboard and all the happenings from this past week and preview week 11. But let's start with the Colts and the Patriots. This is the uh, Frankfurt Part 2. Is this what we saw? Germany? Yeah. We, it was a defensive game. I mean, it's 10-6, so we know it's not really a high-scoring game. Uh, Mac Jones got benched in the fourth quarter, and Bailey Zappi came in for relief and threw a pick, so not really good. They did a fake snap. Um, it was a pretty rough game if you were watching it that early. Poor Bill. Uh, Bill. <laughs> Minshew looked pretty good. Um, good numbers. I was surprised after I saw the stat line that he was a, a 10-point you know, he only scored 10 points. He had a pretty favorable week. Yeah, this game, they relied heavily on Jonathan Taylor. He only had like 70 scrimmage yards, but he had 26 carries, I think, something wild. Zach Moss had one carry, which is kind of scary if you have Zach Moss in fantasy. But I think they're going to ease Taylor in. I think this game, Taylor only got the carries because he was hot. Right. He, only, he had little yards, but he was getting first downs there, maintaining the clock. Like we said, defensive heavy game. What's happening with the Patriots? What are we actually seeing going on with the Patriots? Um... Uncertain future. This looks like <clears throat> terrible <Uncertain> situation. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Um, they're in contention to get a top quarterback in this next class. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Bill Belichick. He could retire. They could part ways. Whatever happens, uh, regardless, there's a new quarterback this next year, it looks like. Uh, they haven't really committed to Mac Jones. And you look at this game, they had 10 more minutes on offense than the Colts. They had more first downs. Basically, they had everything their favor, statistically, other than passing yards. Um, despite throwing way more. Um, so it's a big problem there. And uh, obviously they can't get anything going on offense, only putting up six points with the ball for 36 minutes on offense. Yeah, I know Patriot fans are panicking a little quiet, but I don't I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn. I don't have inside information. I can't look into crystal ball. It just seems like Belichick is finally starting to uh, – uh, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think he can coach this team through this personally. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Saints. And they visited Minnesota – Two games, two games, our boy Josh Dobbs, the pastor not, has thrown for five touchdowns. I was telling Josh off air that that's exactly how many that uh, Zach Wilson has thrown all season. Five in two games. He's lighting it up. The Vikings win 27-19. to 19. He's exciting to watch. Yeah, they look pretty good. I think Madison left this game with concussion, so they had Ty Chandler coming in. They're back up running back. Justin Jefferson comes back next week. There's a weird stat. The Vikings without Justin Jefferson this year are 5-0 and with Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. They're 5-5, five five, so that means mm. they don't win with Justin Jefferson. They're 0-5 with Justin Jefferson. So pretty weird stat line. I don't know if that's going to translate to anything. It's just coincidental. But Josh Dobbs, like you said, looks very good. I don't know how much this lasts, though. It's kind of a high. Kind of like what the Raiders are doing right now with the new coaches. Right. Change the scenery. Everyone's playing up. So beating the Saints at home is a good win for them. Puts them back in playoff contention. You know, they were a little sketchy at the beginning of the year, but – People are saying that he's better than Kirk Cousins. I would tamper that down a little bit. Yeah, and obviously they're going to have that discussion when the, uh, this, when win. the future for Kirk Cousins is in question with the injury. Uh, I mean, it's traditionally 10 years ago, this was basically putting people out of the league. Uh, and now, yep. as much as medicine and other things have months. moved forward, now they can come back in years. Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, he's yeah, not, yeah. he's not coming back in three months, like he's saying. Right. But <clears throat> you have a guy in Kirk Cousins who's out, and obviously with Josh Dobbs' success, you celebrate that. He's playing very well. But speaking of concussions, you had Derek Carr leave after taking a big hit, uh, and Jameis Winston step in. Uh, I think you got the best out of their receivers in this game once Derek Carr left. But Jameis Winston, I mean, he was basically on his way to three or four interceptions if he'd played the entire game. 
Yeah, I mean, my takeaway, it looks like, like you said, Kev, the team is spirited seeing him come in. Uh, I read that he has been talking to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been around. He's been in the locker room. He's given him his phone number. They, they've exchanged information. I love Kirk Cousins. I love that he's the type of guy that is pouring into this guy and literally helping him across the board. Two nice guys, class act. I'm rooting for the Vikings. I think we all are. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's important to understand that Josh Dobbs is playing very well, and mm-hmm. he should obviously be happy in that, but... We understand what Josh Dobbs has been throughout his career. I know this is probably the best situation he's had right. as a starter because he didn't get a chance to start in the Steelers. He started one game, I think, for the Titans or two games for the Titans, which they're already a terrible roster, and then the Cardinals. And now this team, clearly the best situation on offense that he has with getting Justin Jefferson. He started off this year. I think he had his first four games, he had zero interceptions, so he knows how to play safe and he can manage well. Uh, but moving forward, I think we shouldn't expect you know such a – Great stat line every single game. Well, let me ask you this, Caleb. When a guy comes in week one, doesn't know the plays, they're literally saying, you know, 22 Scott right, and then the, then the coach is in his ear saying, okay, you've got him running the X, and he's going to run a slant. You know, I mean, he's breaking it down for him. Don't you think he'll get better knowledge of the, the team's offense will translate into better play, or is he better off playing off the cuff? Well, he's probably better off the cuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he's like Fitzmagic in that sense. That mm-hmm. Fitzmagic went to Harvard, this guy went to Tennessee. <clears throat> Smart Top guys of the make class, yeah. Instinctive guys, moves, yeah. yeah. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. These guys, this smart, right? Um, so I think it's going to be the same. But people, I don't know if it's because his hair problem. He doesn't have eyebrows, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. People for some reason don't think he's athletic. He's six four, runs a four six. He's a giant man. He's like Ryan Tannehill, athlete. Like he's a great athlete. Sure, he's great. I think people sleep on him because he has been a backup. He was a fourth round pick. This is his sixth team. Isn't this the most talented offense potentially he's been on as far? I mean, was Pittsburgh more talented at the time on well, offense? Uh, what I was saying was is that this is like in his starting opportunity because mm-hmm. on the Steelers, obviously, he wasn't starting. He was mm-hmm. drafted to be a potential replacement yeah. to Big Ben down the line, which obviously he played for another four years after that. But this is the most talented roster he's been able to play with offensively when he's had the chance to start. And so sure. Hawkinson, Addison... I mean, even Madison, um, and then as well as Jefferson down the line. This will be the most talented offense he's had a chance to play for. Also, I think it's a testimony to there's very few veterans, a la we see it happen in Seattle with Geno, where a guy isn't very good, and all of a sudden the rubber hits the road. Like that, I don't think we see that type of development later in careers like we've seen with him and Josh, but I like the development we see. Yeah, and I think, I mean, at least with Geno, there was some sort of expectancy when he came in the league sure. to be good. Right. Uh, Dobbs was, what, a third, fourth-round pick to the Steelers in a loaded quarterback class. He was one of the third or fourth guys there. Geno Smith came in and was immediately placed as a starter. So the expectations are completely different for those two guys. And so people were done with Geno, whereas people are more open to Dobbs because he didn't really have that opportunity. All right, speaking of quarterback expectations, let's talk about Baker Mayfield, drafted Early, early, and Will Levis, who was drafted later. That means the Titans meet the Bucks. The Bucks easily handle them 20-6. to six. Not much to talk about if you're a Tennessee Titan fan. What's the upside for this team from this game? Or is there one? The Titans? Yeah. <clears throat> I think there's not a ton of upside. I mean, <laughs> especially when uh, your best player, Derrick Henry, doesn't have a great game. Sure. Uh, I mean, no one on this team really had a great game. Hopkins, uh, Derrick Henry. And then trading away your best players on defense. Just I know they have Jeffrey Simmons, but Kevin Byard... Like your secondary is just done. It's yeah, it's over with. And obviously, throwing Will Levis into the fire, whether you think he's good or not, is just not going to have a good result when there's not a ton surrounding him. Sure. Yeah, and the Buccaneers it seemed like they were stuttering a little, sputtering through the game, and then they got their enough groove to pull it out. Not much to see. Twenty to six, they win. 
A very exciting game if you were able to tune into Ravens-Browns. I think a lot of people wrote it off that the Ravens were going to run away with this. Not so fast. They led most of the game. Uh, the Browns led a great come from behind to win 33-31. to I don't think anyone expected that. Great game to watch if you're a fan, though. Yeah, uh, you saw in the second half Deshaun Watson, he came back for after rolling his ankle. Mm-hmm. He was 14-14 of 14 in the second half. Perfect play. Uh, their defense had most of their sacks, and they had a pick six as well in the second half. So they just played perfect football in the second half. And the Ravens, their offense just randomly is slow. I know they have backup running backs. I know they don't have consistency at the receiver yet or end receiver play at all because Rashad Bateman's slowly working back. Uh, OBJ's been in and out, and obviously rookie Zay Flowers. But just, their inconsistency on offense really allows for teams to jump back into the game, and obviously the Browns played perfect in the second half. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. I thought Lamar was doing a great job. Managing the game until the end when the Browns just seemed to get momentum. And let's talk about another game that was high scoring. Unbelievable game to watch. You want to break a point before I move on from Ravens? No, no. You ready for this next one? So the Lions go to, I'm always going to say San Diego, but the Lions go to L.A. to face the Chargers. 41-38, they pull out the win. This was one to watch because this was two offenses going toe-to-toe, just making big plays. Keenan Allen was out of his mind. Incredible game, but the Lions get the win. What's the tale of this tape? Yeah, sorry if you played against Keenan Allen this week. PPR, <laughs> he had over 40 points, which is – you basically just lost. There's no point. Yeah. Um, but the Lions are clearly the better team here. They, moved, they spread the ball around a lot better. Everyone on their team scored. It felt like Amon had over 150 yards. Both the running backs had 100 scrimmage yards. Both scored. Laporta all around. Their backup tight end scored. Like, Jared Goff is much better game manager, spreading the ball around, like I said. I think that's why the Chargers lost. They really just force-fed Eckler. And Keenan Allen, obviously, but the Lions are terrifying offensively. They have so many weapons. Yeah. Everyone scored in this game. Homegrown weapons. Like yep. they, they drafted these kids. That's important. When we talk about teams. Well, that, Monty. He's the only one. Well, yeah, but that's true. But by and large, this is a team that's, that was the youngest in the league last year. I don't think it is this year. They've done it Dan Campbell's way. Uh, they've lost some coordinators and replaced them. And still, 41 is a lot of points to throw up in the NFL. 38 is a lot to lose, which brings me, Josh, to the question, how long before the coach in uh, L.A. is gone? I don't know. We can talk about it for an eternity, and it seems like he'll still be here. Yeah. But at least they have a guy in Kellen Moore who at least threatens you know, the idea of just keeping Brandon Staley. They put up points now. At yes. this point, because we, we say it every week, like we've said this for years, uh, this is our third year, but we've said it every year so far, the Lions will be great when they learn how to win. They've learned how to win, or they're starting to. Let's say that. Because we can't really call it now because they are winning their division at 7-2, but they've also lost some last year. The The Chargers will be great when they learn how to win, but they put up enough numbers they should be winning, and they're not winning. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Justin Herbert at this point in his career, I think he's among the top five in yards per game and touchdowns per game to you know start out his career. Sure. So he, he's obviously playing at the top of the league right now as well. Um, and so there's not much that he can do. He had one turnover in this game. Uh, just a great stat line for him. But obviously they just can't get things done uh, to win games, as you said. Yeah, and I, I've said it when he was drafted because of, of just – he's Dan Marino reincarnated, more so now, because Dan Marino was on a team that would get double-digit wins every year and couldn't make the playoffs other than obviously early on or couldn't win the big game. And I feel like Herbert is stuck. At this point, I'd, I'm interested to see if Kellen Moore could make this team better. I don't believe he can. But I think their coach makes some of the worst possible decisions. Another game we'll move on to the Commanders and the Seahawks. 26-29. Look like this could go either way. Sam Howell's been balling out, as we said. This guy, Washington, you have yourself a starting quarterback. Yeah, he had 300, 300 plus yards, three touchdowns. No interception this game. He had a fumble. But he's been playing great. 
It's exactly what you need. It would be great if they didn't trade all their defensive players yeah. two weeks ago. Could have been <laughs> different, yeah. I th- We said Brian Robinson would have a big game. I thought they would run more. I think they only had like 40 rushing yards total. Very surprising. But he had, yeah. he had a massive game for fantasy, Brian Robinson. Yeah, and I think, as you said, the defensively this team is just not the same. I mean, they're still getting great play from Allen and Payne and their front and the defensive line, but they have backup edge rushers right now. Uh, their secondary has been in and out on IR. It's just been a tough scene for them defensively, and obviously offensive line, uh, Sam Howell is right there with T- Trevor Lawrence as you know the most pressured, most sacked guy in the league. So there's a big problem there, but he's playing very well despite all of this pressure being thrown at him in his first few starts. I can't help but feel like this year, maybe these last two games would have been in the win column, you know, had yeah. they kept this defense together, at least for the season. But I understand what they did, even though I don't feel like they got fairly compensated. I think the commanders could be in a position it's early where with a few wins going their way, they could be like the Giants last year and be that third team from the East to make it, especially since we have all the, the, the tail end trailers, you know, like we did last year in the South. Someone has to make it from the South. It's not fair. Uh, yeah. but, but someone will make it from there that probably doesn't deserve it. Uh, those two games as well, we mentioned the Ravens game, the Lions game, and the Seahawks winning. Exciting games. Ho-hum game. The Bears played Carolina. Nothing to really talk about here. 16-13. to 13, The Bears get the win at home. But here's another game that was totally worth watching. Uh, the very celebrated uh, Cincinnati Bengals expected to run away with this game. Come in and lose 27-30 to the rookie, C.J. Stroud. The Texans are absolutely hot. Let's talk about this game. C.J. Stroud, he's been on a tear lately. People are talking about MVP conversation now. He's been doing great. I think he's averaging over 300 yards a game right now, which is insane. The Bengals, I don't really know what happened with them. I know all the receivers were questionable to play this week. Jamar Chase suited up, had a big game. It wasn't enough. They lost two of their starting defenders. Hendrickson is the biggest one. Their best defensive lineman's out. Was it an ankle injury or a knee injury? Yeah, so he could be out a few weeks. We don't know the severity of that yet. But the Texans, rookie coach, rookie quarterback, rookie wide receiver one, a washed-up, quote-unquote, journeyman running back and Devin Singletary, put it on the, the Super Bowl-contending Bengals. Like, this is <laughs> – no one could have predicted this. I think no. everyone had a lock for the Bengals mm-hmm. at home. CJ Stroud's legit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think looking at the run game for the Bengals, they, I think they were up for quite a bit. And then, you know, Joe Burrow had to make a couple of throws, turn into, turn into turnovers. But the running game can't get going. Joe Mixon has zero 100-yard rushing games this year. Uh, he's averaging nothing, essentially, through the air for them. Only one touchdown per game in half of his games. So he's averaging half a touchdown a game. Mm-hmm. It's just rough for them. They can't sustain leads. They can't do anything. Uh, offensively, unless it's you know it's just big plays from Jamar Chase or really nothing at this point. And you had a great game from Tyler Boyd. You had a big play from Jamar Chase, which summed up most of his total. But the Texans just outplayed them in almost every way, and they still only barely came away with a win. Great win for them, but obviously, as I said, the underdog Houston Texans looked like the more dominant team in this. Yeah, unbelievable that he's able – you said it, Caleb. 23 of 39, 356 yards, a touch and a pick. Burrow – 27 of 43, 47, two touches, two picks. The mistakes cost him. But I think the real tale is that Singletary was able to come in for Pierce, 150 yards on 30 carries and score a touchdown. He was relatively unstoppable to Mixon's 11 carries, 46 yards. As you said, C.J. Stroud is, in fact, legit. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh. I'm going to say it every week. How do you explain to Dad the Steelers aren't good, even though they are whatever their record is? They're tw- <laughs> they beat the Packers 23-19. There were times in this game where I looked at Josh and just went, 
How many yards does Kenny have? I mean, it, I don't believe a winning quarterback can put up the, the stat line that he is putting up and winning football games. Yeah, and going into this game, the Steelers were the first team since 1933 when the NFL began, began <laughs> tracking, rushing, and receiving stats to be outgained in every single game and still have a winning record. That still continues, obviously. They still have a winning record, and they won. But the first team since 1933 to be able to win like this. And so, obviously, where does the credit go in your mind? Defense. It's obviously, it's, defense. it's obviously not the offense. But you normally see, like, this of that for this many yards, touches, picks, rushing. No. 14 of 23, 126. That's it. 126 yeah. yards. Warren had 101 yards on the ground. Of course, Pickens his go-to this week, 45 yards, three receptions. But... Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. His, his go-to number one receiver, 45 receiving yards. Yeah, that's their number one. Yeah. Last week, you know, he had another receiver. And I, I, the problem for this is I th- Jordan Love has played pretty good. Uh, he's had trouble targeting Christian Watson, but outside of that, um, he hasn't had a ton of turnover-worthy plays when he's not targeting Watson. Sure. And in this game, like if Kenny Pickett wasn't playing for the Steelers in the way that the Steelers are playing right now, what would Kenny Pickett even have a chance to be starting for another team? Yeah, I think the Steelers are the only team in history to have less offensive yards week after week after week. <laughs> They're slowly going down somehow. <laughs> I don't understand why Matt Canada is still there. Yeah. It doesn't really make much sense, but you can't make a move when you're winning games like this. So I mean, you can because, ah. again, how do you tell Dad they're not going <laughs> to yeah, never understand. see that? Yeah, I mean, and you look at – what the Steelers are doing right now. They have 300 total yards on offense. Uh, to, the team they're about to play against the Browns are league average with 350. That's league average. The Steelers are at the bottom with 300. Uh, passing yards per game, Kenny's averaging under 200. And they're averaging 20th in the NFL in rushing yards per game. So that there's nothing even in the median of the NFL for them on offense. But you look at defense, and it's they're at the top of the league in almost everything, like amongst the top of the league. So clearly their offense is not the one carrying them through these wins. No, I would agree. Let's talk about an offense and defense that's clicking on all cylinders. San Francisco 49ers, a 34-3 to against Jacksonville. Jacksonville at one point looked like they were able to climb back in the game, but they threw a pick and a turnover after turnover. 34-3, not much to say there. San Francisco dominated from top to bottom. A game that, even though it looked like it was – Close. This was a, the epitome of a bad football game. Uh, the Air, uh, Atlanta Falcons visit the Arizona Cardinals, lose 23-25. Uh, Murray's back, I guess, if that's a headline for somebody. Murray's back. Um, he, he threw a little over 500, 249 yards, one interception. Of course, uh, Taylor Heineke wasn't exactly you know on all cylinders either. So if you want to see bad football, watch the Falcons and, and the uh, Cardinals because they, they delivered. They delivered in the nail-biter. Um, another blowout, not so fun unless you're just you like watching people suffer. The Dallas Cowboys beat uh, the New York Giants 49-17. That means Dallas was one point away from 80 points in two matchups this year against the Giants. That's not great football. It's not fun to watch. It's just it's not fun to watch. And you know, Caleb, I also mentioned to Josh off air that I've speculated on even on the show that the Giants are the type of organization that doesn't deserve Dable. Like he's too he's too good. And they'll probably blame him for this. And then a report came out last week, exactly that, that he's on the bubble. And that makes no sense to me, that you take a coach away from Buffalo, Buffalo's offense goes in the toilet. He's clearly the reason. Yeah, they just fired Ken Dorsey today. Right. We're going to talk about that in a, just a couple games. And Sorry. No, you're good. And then you got this guy that they're about to pin it all on. 
I I said it before. I hope he leaves. I hope he goes somewhere where they will respect him and they give him the keys to the kingdom because I don't think the Giants are. And if they're starting to doubt their coach, I think Dable's better than that. I just think he's better. So not much more to say. I said last week I'm not talking about the Jets anymore as long as Zach Wilson is on this team. Uh, The Raiders are on a little mini roll with their new regime. They win 16-12. to And in my opinion, a huge surprise happened on Monday Night Football. The Denver Broncos, and you you guys have called it. You guys have said that Russ is starting to return to form. They win 24-22 in Buffalo. Buffalo fans were speechless at the end of that game. Uh, Buffalo lost the game. That's 100% on Buffalo. Yeah. I think they had two fumbles. It would have been three if it didn't dribble back into his hand. Josh Allen threw a pick. The defense played decent, considering it's a, it was a one-possession game. But too many penalties. The 12th man literally lost in the game at the end. Gave Will Lutz a second kick with extra yards to move forward. Because if you watch the game, Will Lutz missed the field goal to win the game. Mm-hmm. But there was 12 defenders on the field. Mm. So they got a free kick, and they won the game that way. Right. So miserable way to lose at home. Losing a record for the Bills. It, it's It's not looking good. Yeah, I you know the, what kills me is like you guys said, Russell Wilson is starting to return to form. Twenty four of twenty nine, only one hundred ninety three yards, but two touchdowns. So he was nearly perfect throwing the football, just not a lot of yards. Josh Allen, however, this is not Josh Allen like. Fifteen of twenty six hundred seventy seven yards, one touch, two interceptions. It just doesn't look like the team that that we know them to be. What's the real problem, I guess, in Buffalo? Yeah, well, I think some of the. Some of the pointing needs to go to Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know he's the one playing football on the field. But uh, I think a lot of people like to jump around that. I know just because of the, you know the emergence that he had the last couple of years. But he, they lost Brian Dable, and their offense was able to stay afloat. It wasn't exactly the same, but it was still a high caliber offense. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just slowly seen that decline at the end of last year, and especially this year now being five and five. But I mean, you look at who the head coach is. You look at Sean McDermott. This team had a players' meeting last week. I don't know what they were discussing, but offensively, yeah. obviously they got Ken Dorsey out of the way. But you look at Sean McDermott, he wasn't really a guy until they got Brian Dable in to establish Josh Allen, and now people want to consider him as one of the best. But he also had, when they lost Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier stepped down. Mm-hmm. His his DC quit on him, mm-hmm. essentially. He retired. And then you have Brian Dable leaving, and they're, they're just been it feels like they've just been stringing it together across the board right now and so now they have joe brady filling in for offense who uh, we don't know what that's going to look like he's been a more or less a failed oc in the nfl right for several teams and then you have no dc i believe with him calling the defense and that's kind of been inconsistent as well all year so i think you're slowly seeing it crumble and i think you know finally the pressure is on sean mcdermott to show us what he is worth to this team because obviously the worth we're seeing was brian dable yeah so what happens here like we, we've kind of called it ever since we've started this podcast that the Bills were overhyped like the Bengals. And that a lot of it, you've been very critical, Caleb, of their head coach, that he wasn't good from the very beginning. And Brian Dable covered a multitude of sins. But now that he's not there, he's taking the defensive play calling back, I believe. And, and he's had a terrible offensive, you know, play calling coach. Um, what's next? I mean, what do they do? They finally fixed their running game a little bit. At they least just last extended night. Sean this offseason. Gosh. So. We don't, that I don't know. It'd be like a Raiders situation when they're paying a coach after they fire him. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know, guys. Like you know, I don't want to be super critical just to be critical. But this is a team that was you know flirting with the Super Bowl year after year, and then all of a sudden, um, they're just not good. 
And I will say there are lots of guys in the NFL that have immense arm talent and things like that that Josh Allen also has, and they didn't work out the same way that Josh Allen did. But when they left that system, you didn't see the same production, and you saw the turnover start to come through. I mean, even someone like Jameis Winston, you saw the upside that he has. When he comes in the game for the Saints, the the offense is explosive. Mm -hmm. It's it's Mm -hmm. outstanding, but the turnovers are what kills him. Yeah, and I mean, it, this is, we always say, it, it's a league where coaches matter, you know, and I've said it a million times. I mean, Aikman will credit his success to getting the right offense coordinator, you know. And Dan, Dan Marino struggled when Jimmy Johnson came in, Hall of Fame coach, because it was different, you know, and they had to work yeah. it out. So, yeah, I don't know. Ken Dorsey, uh, he started out as a scout, of course. He came kind of under this organization. He was a quarterback coach uh, in Carolina, and then he went to the Bills as yep. a quarterback coach, passing game and quarterback coach. Then promoted to offense coordinator and now out, as Caleb says, as yeah, offense and coordinator. I don't. I think I don't think it's a fair comparison, Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey. No, just outside of the Bills organization itself, you have a guy who's orchestrated and led a ton of top offenses in college and the NFL. Comparatively to Ken Dorsey, as you're saying, as a guy who's more or less up and coming. So it's not a fair comparison, regardless. But it's still, obviously, when Brian Dable leaves, you need to have an offense that can play like that if you're going to even be considered the same team. Did Brian Dable coach with uh, or play with um, Tomlin and William & Mary? I, don't, I know he had sure. William & Mary. I have to look into that. But let's say this. Once he got to the pros, um, this, of course, now is Brian Dable. He has gone through a couple teams, but he's gone through. Actually, he was a defensive assistant, wide receivers coach, quarterback coach, offense coordinator several times, tight ends coach, offensive quarterback in Alabama, roll tied. Yep. Then he was a Buffalo 18-21 to 21 offense coordinator, which got him the head coaching job presently in New York. So, again, I hope Brian Dable sticks around a little bit. All right, let's talk about uh, our Week 10 leaders before we move into Week 11. Week 10, like I said, there's some pretty good matchups, you know, and some ho-hum, but that's that's what you're going to get at this point. So let's talk, Caleb, about our top fantasy players this week. Let's start with quarterback. Yeah, Dak Prescott, if you have any Cowboy other than Pollard, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <coughs> Sorry, it's cold and flu yeah, season. Yeah, cold and flu season. Woo! Um, Dak Prescott, 400 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. 38 points. Was finally paid out as the number one quarterback. Probably won't happen again. This is my opinion. <laughs> Justin Herbert, 323 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Josh Dobbs, you got him off your wire. Congratulations. 268 yards, a touchdown, 44 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. Sam Howell, 312 yards, three touchdowns. 17 rushing yards. And then lastly, Geno Smith, 369 yards, two touchdowns. He had 24 points. All right, let's talk for a second about this list. I'm looking up at this picture of all these uh, quarterbacks, these five guys. One of them looks like a homeless dude. One of them looks like he might rob your purse. And only one of them looks like an athlete at all. (laughs) He, for some reason, is Dak Prescott. Everybody else just looks funny in these pictures. All right, let's talk about the top wide receivers, Josh. You have Keenan Allen with 175 and two touchdowns, 40 points. CeeDee Lamb, uh, no surprise this past month, 151 yards and a touchdown. He has 40 points as well. Brandon Cooks, 173 yards, one touchdown, 32 points. Amonra St. Brown, 160-plus yards and then one touchdown. Mike Evans, 143 and one touchdown. He had 26 points. I'm not going to lie, I had four of these guys this week. It was good in one of my teams, so... I didn't have Cook starting, though. I think I had Lamb and Evans. But yeah. Lamb was a catch away. When he had 10 receptions, he was 140-some yards, and he needed 
to get over 150 to keep that streak. This is now the fourth game of 10 and 150, which is stupid. It's Mike Orvin did it, uh, but it's just stupid. So they threw him a little slant across the middle, and it was almost for a loss, and they almost had to do it again. So it was good that he got his yards because CD's balling out for sure. Yeah, I think I don't know what Michael Irvin did, but I think CD Lamb is the first wide receiver to have three straight games of ten catches and one fifty. So Michael Irvin was close. Michael had three. I think CD has four now. We'll look into it. All right, because at one point he tied Michael Irvin. Let's talk about top running backs uh, in fantasy this week. And number one, Brian Robinson. Congrats. I'd say he was my must-start this week, but he didn't have the rushing thing that I thought. He had a 58-yard catch touchdown, had over 100 yards receiving. The receiving touchdown, obviously, so 27 points at the top of the leaderboards. Next, Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, 77 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 35 receiving yards. Devin Singletary, congrats if you got him, 150 rushing yards, a touchdown, and one catch. Austin Eckler, 67 rushing yards, 48 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Javante Williams is finally coming on for you if you drafted him early in these drafts. It's been a long 10 weeks. 79 rushing yards, 31 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And our top tight ends, Josh? You have TJ Hawkinson, 11 for 134 and a touchdown. He had 30 points. Trey McBride for the second consecutive week here at the top. Eight catches, 131 yards, 21 points. George Kittle, three for 116 and a touchdown. (laughs) George Kittle's efficiency has been crazy this year, but 20 points for him. Dalton Kincaid, five for 51 and a touchdown. Tyler Conklin, 7 for 70. The tight ends beyond these guys did nothing this week, but those guys <laughs> got you something. So a huge drop-off as we um, get off of that list, as you said. Okay, some clarity. Michael Irvin, uh, his record was broken this week by C.D. Lamb, who had three consecutive games of 150 yards and 10 catches in consecutive games. There's been several other players in history who have done this, but none of them have done it on a three-game yep. streak. So. Pretty, pretty ridiculous. We've always said, I think, and, and I don't know how this has evolved in the modern game, but if you do 10 catches, 100 yards, you know, that that that's rocking, you know, and this guy has exceeded that. So kudos. And when you pass a Cowboys legend, I think even more incredible. Okay, let's talk about the standings, and we will wrap up this week uh, after we talk about inside the stats. Let's do our standings here. Uh, the Dolphins, of course, are still leading. The Bills are 5-5, five and five, so the Dolphins have a window now. 6-3 and three, win in the East. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, AFC East. If you look at the AFC North, uh, the Ravens are still only one game ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is tied with the uh, Browns at 6-3. and three. The AFC South, still a one-game cushion for Jacksonville, 6-3 and three over the Texans, who are in their rearview mirror for sure. And, of course, why do we talk about the AFC West? The Chiefs are running away with it already at 7-2. and two. NFC East, again, Eagles and Cowboys. Eagles have a two-game lead at 8-1. and one. The Lions are now one win ahead of... The Vikings in the NFC North. In the South, uh, again, this is abysmal. We have 500 teams. This is going to be another year where they might not be 500 and win the division. But the Saints are 5-5. Five and five, Bucks are 4-5. and five. And then in the West, uh, the 49ers are currently leading that division. So as we close out talking about, before we move on to next week, let's talk inside the stats and let's look where all of our current leaders are, Josh. Yep, as always, we start off with the offense. Uh, your passing leader now, Sam Howell. 2,783, C.J. Stroud, 2,626, Tua coming off the bye, 2,609, Josh Allen and Jared Goff, around 2,600. Uh, your rushing leaders, Christian McCaffrey, 747. This this, uh, this list hasn't really changed much recently, um, but Derrick Henry, second, 625, Josh Jacobs, 622, Travis Etienne, 618, Zach Moss, 617. 
Your receiving leader, Tyreek Hill, 1,076. A.J. Brown, 1,005, both coming off by. Uh, C.D. Lamb already had his bye, 975. Keenan Allen, 895. And Stefan Diggs, 868. Uh, for defense, give your tackle leader, Zaire Franklin. Uh, despite missing a game, 117 tackles. T.J. Edwards, 112. Roquan Smith, 108. Foye Luakon, 101. And C.J. Mosley with 96. Your sack leader, Daniil Hunter, uh, now joined by Miles Garrett with 11. T.J. Watt with 10.5. Max Crosby, 9.5. And Khalil Mack with a 9. Your interception leader, Geno Stone, uh, with 6. Deron Bland, 5. Jordan Whitehead got another one. He's now at 3. Uh, he has 4, but th- third on this list. Paulson Adebo and Cam Taylor-Britt also have 4. Um, outside of those stats, we're talking about C.D. Lamb. This is a stat from Jeff Bell. Uh, his 617 yards over the last four games. Only 32 players have had 600 yards in a four-game span. The last one to do that was Antonio Brown. So this is a, a stat that's only been broken now. I think this is five years after that point. So we haven't had a stat line like this in five years. Last to be Antonio Brown. And then you have your receiving leaders for the last three games. Uh, C.D. Lamb, obviously, but behind him, Noah Brown has 382 Amari Cooper has 326. So three former Cowboys. They were all on the same receiving core just a few years ago. And then uh, we also talked about the Steelers. But the Steelers, first team since 1933 when they started tracking stats, (laughs) when they started tracking yards. So basically, in the entirety of the NFL's existence, (laughs) the Steelers are the only team to be outgamed in every single game, or outgained in every single game yards-wise, and still have a winning record this week, I believe. Um, they were outgained 400 yards to 324, <laughs> uh, and they are, of course, six and three now. So, Dad, yeah, they're not good, but no. they're winning. Yep, they are six and three. Thanks, Josh, as always. Okay, let's talk about these locks. I, I said this week, if you look over the week with the spread, this looks like a week to me that every all of the uh, favored people should mostly win. So it was hard for me, y'all, because I think almost every game is a lock. I'm just sharing my opinion. I know y'all disagree. Uh, I'm locking in Cleveland against Pittsburgh since we're talking about the steel curtain. Cleveland's at home. Watson's apparently hurt, which means he's playing better. So (laughs) I think as long as Watson starts, then the uh, four points should be covered by Cleveland. That is my lock. What do you guys got this week? Uh, I am going to lock in Houston over Arizona. Mm. C.J. Stroud's playing too nice. Arizona's decent. They have Kyler Murray. They got a boost. But I think we just watched Houston beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati. So... I'm gonna lock him in the win. This might be the one week where people don't think we all sound exactly like you because I'm looking at you and you look miserable. Oh no, I'm, fine. I'm sorry, bro. I have a dry cough that's making my throat quiver. It's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I got it. All right, we're talking about locks. So I've locked in Cleveland. You've you've locked in Houston. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Bills over the Jets. Um, they're top five offensively in points per game. Uh, they're also a top five defense right now. Uh, they have. Over almost 400 yards in offense per game. And I, as you said, Zach Wilson has five touchdowns this year. I'm going to take the Bills over the Jets. I, they're not going to suck for this long, and especially <laughs> not against Zach Wilson. They already lost to him. It's not going to happen again. Bills over the Jets. All right. Looking over the upset, like I said, really tough one for me. Um, it's really hard for me to find upsets in this list as we're scouring down. So. That said, um, I think the only one, and I know that, that Big Russ is playing hard in Denver. I'm going to go with Minnesota. They're only uh, Denver's favorite at home, hard to beat them at home. They're favored by 2.5, 2.5 at the current. 
And um, I think that Minnesota's going to pull off the upset. So there you go. Now you got my upset. I'm going to say a big one, Buccaneers over the 49ers. Mm. I think Brock Purdy, under pressure, mm. we've seen him kind of fade away. Okay. Um, I think that happens here with the Tampa Bay defense playing great. They just held the Titans to six points. I know it's the Titans, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's a bounce-back game for Tampa Bay. Upset of the week. All right. Upset of the week. Um, I believe in balance of this division, so I'm going to be taking the Cincinnati Bengals over the Baltimore Ravens. As I said, I think there's times that where the Baltimore Ravens are just – you wouldn't even know they're playing football. Uh, we saw last week, especially with Cleveland bouncing back, I mean, last week he could have started Tommy DeVito over Lamar Jackson and had a better fantasy game. So he didn't, <laughs> there's games in which Lamar has done that, and there's been a lot of those recently. And I think uh, the upside that the Bengals have shown has at least been better of that than the Ravens of recent uh, times. So I think with T. Higgins potentially coming back, uh, with Joe Mixon potentially getting more work in this game, I think there is a better chance that the Bengals outscore the Ravens. Excellent. Yeah, good. Very good. Thanks, guys. All right, you got our locks or got our upset, so let's just take a look uh, at what we call educated guests. This is where, <laughs> Caleb, I'm so sorry. I know you're good. <laughs> no, I, just, I know you, this cold has got you, buddy, and I know our listeners are hearing us cough, and I apologize. It's We're, we're going to get through it. Let's do educated guests. This is where we look down the waiver wire. As again, our fantasy seasons are about to, to end, and most everyone is gobbled up. So, Caleb, give me an educated guess. You have three this week, players yep. that are deep on the wire that we might be able to pull off some, some margin with. I think with tight end being so skimpy, I think for number three, I'm going to have Tyler Conklin. He's caught 100% of the ball since the bye week, 6-6 six six and 7-7 seven seven this game. He's been their number one receiver behind Garrett Wilson. I think that's going to continue to be the, how it's going to go, especially against the Bills. I know, a jet. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. But tight end's so skimpy, he's getting volume for PPR. I think it's worth it. <coughs> sorry. Right in your ear. Next time, Michael Carter, he just got cut from the Jets. He's going to go somewhere. You know he's good. He's going to be good for PPR. Solid back. He'll be a number two somewhere immediately. We'll get some snaps on third down for sure. I think somewhere like Dallas will be cool. But anyway, he'll be picked up from somebody, so stash him on your bench. He's going to be worth it. Then lastly, number one, Jalen Guyton for the Chargers. Mm, okay. Was that a laugh? <laughs> no, he's not I'm laughing. just kidding. Jalen Guyton, Cold four of six <clears throat> targets for 40 yards and a touchdown. No one on their team's healthy. And that's basically it. No one else seems healthy. And Herbert's throwing 40 times a game. They're putting up 30 points. Someone has to catch the ball. He caught a touchdown this past week. Jalen Guyton. <coughs> this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, they've had, what, their three or top three receivers going into this year. You have Keenan Allen, who left this game. You have Mike uh, Williams, who's a torn ACL. Quentin Johnson, who's not really considered the number three yet. But Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett down as well. If you haven't heard of Jalen Guyton, it's because he tore his ACL last year. He didn't play last year, but he did play the year prior. So, obviously, there's no one playing receiver for this team. And Jalen Guyton, of course, has to catch one of the 300-yard passes from here, uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, and hopefully he doesn't get the flu or the cold or something. You know, it's going around. Yeah, it's it's right here in the old uh, Gosh Without Helmet studio. So, <laughs> glad you're over there. Hope you feel better. Thanks, Caleb, as always. Okay, let's wind this uh, episode down. Let's take a look at this these matchups. As I said, as we're getting in the stretch, I think Vegas is figuring it out because now we kind of have an idea. Uh, you heard our locks and upsets. I can tell you one of the games of the week that I'm looking forward to is that Monday night game. They finally got a game worth watching in primetime. Kansas City is hosting Philadelphia. 
Uh, Chiefs are favored two and a half. What do you guys think are fantasy matchups, or how do you feel about this game? Eagles, Chiefs. Oof. Well, you would expect this to be a good game, right? I would expect it to I be. Got it, got it on Monday Night Football. Super Bowl uh, from last year. Yeah, and I mean, and the, the Eagles are apparently, you know, not favored, but they have a lot of statistics favoring them as well as just their weapons that they have. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard's probably out, but DeAndre Swift, you would favor those weapons over that of the, or the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But obviously the factor here is Pat Mahomes, and he has not played – exceptionally well these last two games just not up to par of Patrick Mahomes um and I think what you're hoping is that he'll 100% bounce back and I think he will against this secondary that's really been sorry I know they got Kevin Byard and they have Darius Slay and Bradbury but despite that they've not been a good secondary statistically we just saw Dak Prescott in their last game be the quarterback one you'll probably see a very similar thing for Pat Mahomes Caleb what are your thoughts yeah, I think that the Eagles will win this game. I know that the Chiefs are favored to win, but could have been another upset, huh? Could have been, but it's an Arrowhead, so it's tough to win. An 60% Arrowhead, sixty percent to the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fantasy wise, obviously AJ Brown's gonna have a game. Travis Kelsey's gonna have a game in the spotlight. Dogs are the Kelsey eat. Bowl. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, another Kelsey Bowl. Yep. Gosh. I means Taylor Swift's gonna be. No, there. we're not talking about. Uh, Taylor. I do think <laughs> it's inevitable. I hope we can conjure up a. Big play from MVS. It's been lacking. Yeah. It's been quiet. But he reminds us every once in a while that we need to pick him up in fantasy just for us to get disappointed again. This might be a good week for that. Uh, just so hopefully, you know, deep touchdown from him because outside of the one deep touchdown game he's had this year, it's been nothing. So hopefully yeah. some excitement there. My hopes for the week, uh, Cincinnati should lose to Baltimore because that will bury Cincinnati a little harder down into this division and make it hard. But like I said, one of you have got it as an upset. Cleveland should handle Pittsburgh. Detroit should handle Chicago. No challenge there. Honestly, the Chargers should handle Green Bay. No challenge there. And the way Keenan Allen's been playing, this could be lights out if they're if they're grooving. Yeah, and I think another matchup or someone you could pick up uh, would be Ty Chandler, obviously. Uh, Alexander Madison, as Caleb said, has a concussion. They're playing up against a not-so-great rush defense in the uh, Denver Broncos. I think statistically they're the worst, but they've been playing better recently. Still not a terribly hard matchup for them. So Ty Chandler, Alexander Madison, you're going to want to start uh, whoever's starting there, obviously. Uh, is Washington really going to take care of the Giants by nine and a half? Probably. I mean, with Tommy DeVito. <laughs> what is this team doing? Saquon should just take the rest I th- of the I think he off. has 90 passing yards in two games combined. Sounds, so. like, sounds like another quarterback in New York we don't talk about. Okay. Uh, Dallas should handle Carolina. Jacksonville should recover against Tennessee Barn. A little mini miracle here. Um, and then, of course, we talked about Houston over Arizona. I hope that Baker and Mike Evans make this a game against San Fran. I don't think we can stand to see San Fran uh, just roll over with all the talent they have. I think Rashad White's a must-start in this game. He gets all the targets out of the backfield. He does. I got him. I think they're going to be playing from behind. I think the Bucks win, though, in an upset, like I said. Mm-hmm. But Rashad White should get at least five catches in this game, so that's great. The Rams-Seattle game, let me ask you guys. Um they're not in Seattle. It's been tough to get a win in Seattle if you're not a Seahawk. But they are in L.A. Is this the start for Carson Wentz? They're saying Matt Stafford's starting. Okay. Kyron Williams is back from IR as well. Yeah. So Okay. They look to be healthy, so we'll see. So it could be an upset. They could, in fact, beat the yeah. Seattle Seahawks to two and a half yeah. point. Uh, Carson Wentz was free, so it's an insurance for them. Yeah. I mean, especially not trotting out Ben Rip, or Brett Rippon again. They already cut him, but not trotting out someone that – they know is worse than Carson Wentz. They have a guy 
that or, they can put out there. Drunken if, Georgia if, quarterback. Yeah, if Stafford does happen to come uh, and get hurt again. I still think that uh, Wentz could be the quarterback of the future there. Could be. We'll see what happens with Stafford after. But um, I think the Titans and the Jags will be interesting. I think, obviously, another start for Will Levis. Uh, outside of this first start, he's really done much. So we'll see if he can That's bounce predicted. back there. But you look at uh, the Jags and the Titans. Trevor Lawrence hasn't played exceptionally well, but he also has been getting pressured at the top of the league. Despite that, he he, th- he gets rid of the ball uh, very quickly, and uh, his pressure rate has been worse than Daniel Jones this year. So he's he's getting pressured very fast and very often, and it's been a big problem for them. But the Titans are the league lowest in interceptions. They have three mm-hmm. picks this year, uh, and their sack rate, I think they're only putting up two sacks a game. So the pressure should be less of that for Trevor Lawrence, and you'll probably see a big game from them, uh, which was which would be nice considering the fact that what we just saw from them. Yeah, it has been a week, and as things begin to uh, to wind down, how many more weeks do we have in fantasy for most leagues? This is week eleven coming up. Five, five more. Yeah. So for some, playoffs are starting in the next couple of weeks. Trade deadlines are, are. When's ours done? Should be this week or next week. Okay, so no more trade. That's good. I feel like I'm. In a good spot in a couple of these. So, good deal. Well, week 11 is coming. We will jump in. Uh, if you haven't noticed, the podcast is posting a little bit early. In other words, we're not waiting till Thursday anymore. Podcast will be available late Tuesday, so early on Wednesday. So, it gives you extra time as we start getting into the holiday season and we get more football earlier in the weekend. So, check out uh, this um, next episode, and we appreciate you dropping by. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend and help us spread the word. We've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own Guys Without Helmet gear. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.